One day, I shall come back. Until then... No more. No more. Stop it. No more. Stop that. Look, I'm angry. That's new. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, oh, you never do. Wise or angry, what do you need now? Oh, marvellous. What a finely tuned response to the situation. Do you know what? Shut up. I am so sick of listening to Paul to open. Paul to open. Yes, and what do you do? Will it hurt? You'll find that it's a very small universe when I'm angry with you. Good. Hello, and welcome to Pulton Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who in random order. I'm Pete Paschal, and normally we are here to talk about an episode of Doctor Who, a story in the 60-year history now. Um, but instead of that, since the next story we're supposed to do is the War Games, <laughs> mm-hmm. we are going to take a little bit of an interlude and uh, talk a little bit about something that is rarely talked about in fan circles. It's uh, the times we almost rage quit the show, or perhaps even did rage quit the show yes. for various reasons. Yes, and I'm Chris Taylor, and uh, I have rage quit Doctor Who in my in my life long yeah. ago. We'll we'll get to that, but uh, we uh, we know that this is an issue. Um, it's it's interesting doing this while watching the war games, which uh, you know you could you could argue that there's there's an element of uh, the Doctor sort of almost rage quitting himself in that in that story. Uh, we've been to other stories where the Doctor kind of almost rage quit. Inferno might be the uh, the biggest one. He kind of Not almost true. tries to yeah. tries to escape, and the show itself was almost cancelled. And uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, rage quitting. You know, you, you can't rage quit something uh, the, the way that uh, Clara does and kill the moon. She almost rage quits the, the Doctor. You can't rage quit something, as Danny Pink points out, unless you really loved it in the first place. So I think that that lie is what lies behind a lot of rage quitting is our our love for the show and that of course it is a show that changes a lot so that's what we're going to dive into today and uh we are going to talk about a little poll we've just put up online about your rage quitting the show and we're also going to talk about the times where you didn't quite rage quit uh there's there's sort of a lesser version which uh for want of a better term i'm calling meh quitting uh, which is uh, certainly what a lot of us have done at some point during the Chibnall era. Some folks have done during the Moffat era. Um, part of this was sparked by our guest, Dave Kitchen, uh, from the uh, Doctor Who show. I mentioned the other week when we were watching The Doctor's Wife and talking about The Doctor's Wife, that he rage quit immediately after that. Uh, season six of the new show was difficult for a lot of people who didn't like the River Song uh, storyline. And um, yeah, that was that was for Dave. That was his, that was his uh, rage quit point, was roughly around Let's Kill Hitler. Um, so obviously so, it's different for a lot of people. Yeah. So first of all, yeah. I can think of no better term than meh quitting. <laughs> so... Mm. Uh, there's a lack of a better term because there isn't one. Um, so that's girl. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. quitting. I, yeah. Yeah. Now you're a confessed rage quitter. Yes, and and we've talked about that a couple of times on the show, and we'll get into when you rage quit mm. and why. Um, I'll, I I'm not trying to brag or anything. I've never actually rage quit Doctor Who, but I have <laughs> me quit. Uh, a couple of times, uh, maybe even like more than like at least, at least once in the classic series. Um, once i think during uh, well we'll get into it but other eras mm-hmm. like the um the new series arguably 
Um, but anyway, I think for this particular show, since it's very personal, mm. I think both of us will be will be served well by putting on our journalistic uh, our journalism hats, right? And uh, essentially interviewing the other person about when this rage quitting took place or meh quitting took place and, uh, you know, trying to probe the reasons behind it. So Chris, if you don't mind, uh, being the subject, perhaps the first subject of this interview format. Absolutely. I I will also say that we, we have a Twitter poll up. There are already responses coming in. People are replying to the poll with their own rage quit moments. Uh, so we'll, we'll read some of those out a little bit later, but yeah, uh, in preparation for the show, I was kind of digging into my own history and trying to understand because we, we talked about this. I I believe we talked about this with, uh, with our first, uh, with the first appearance of the Rani. Um, because it was time in the Rani when I rage quit. And it was the Colin Baker to Sylvester McCoy regeneration. And um, I was thinking about this, and I basically, I didn't even watch time in the Rani. I was so mad. I was so absolutely and utterly mad at the way that the regeneration was handled at Sylvester McCoy in a Colin Baker wig. Um. It just, it seemed, it seemed so much like a curse of fatal death kind of moment Um, because they were, they were, because of fatal death was not sort of the only comedy doctor who uh, thing that was ever on, on the BBC in the, in the eighties and nineties, there were, there were comedy sketches, you know, it was, it was sometimes treated as sort of a, a, a laughable thing within the BBC's comedy division. And it sort of felt like the beginning of time and Ronnie felt almost like a sketch of Doctor yeah. Who. It felt like one well, of those moments. Yeah. Curse of Fatal um, Death came later, of course. So yes, it did. It did. I guess I would ask, try to put yourself in the mind of how old were you at the time, I guess, when, when uh, Time in the Rani was coming out? Well, let's see. Like what was Time in the Rani? 87. So I would have been 13. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I guess that is, that is definitely a stage when we are very skeptical, uh, very ready to tear down our childhood idols. But the more I thought about this, the more I realized, no, it wasn't just time in the running. Mm-hmm. It was the unresolved problem that I had from the end of Trial of a Time Lord. Okay. And the unresolved problem was this, where in the hell did Mel come from? The- oh, yes. You've <laughs> talked about this before. I remember, not even in the context of rage quitting, but when we were yeah. talking about Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead, I asked yes. you once about snapping the fingers and opening the TARDIS doors, and you said, that was a Mel moment. So yes. clearly this was a a thing uh, i think it might just be you but it's a term in your <laughs> doctor who vernacular that has come to mean something and then what does that mean and why was that uh powerful for you well if if you remember at the end of trial of time lord that the last uh the, the story that the doctor presents and he's presenting his defense and for some reason uh he's presenting a case a, a story from his future mm. and i i don't believe that this is ever addressed in the show it's just sort of taken mm-hmm. as uh, gospel that he can do this. Uh, I don't know why the Time Lords have let him look into his own future. He's never done it before. He's never done it since. Uh, it's a really bizarre thing to do. And it just sort of happened, yeah. right? And and I couldn't let go of that essential fact of like, what what is the... Do- He's looking into his own future. And and this is... this. It just seemed like a really lazy introduction for a companion. Um and of course, I I was still mourning Perry, 
right, uh, from from the previous episode. So I think that was that was probably mixed into it somehow. And it just felt like so super lazy that I felt like oh something has changed here. Like Doctor Who has become lazy about its own lore, um, lazy about some sort of essential rules of time travel. Yeah, and yeah, so it I felt like that prepared the ground, and mm. then. I think uh, the next season started almost. I, I hadn't caught any of the hype, but just sort of started. It appeared on my in my radio times one day. That was right. I was ready to start watching the next season. And, did and you, then did you set aside time. Did you go? Oh, time in the Ronnie's coming up, and I'm. I'm. You did make a point to watch it. Like you were still at this point a fan enough <sighs> to watch Doctor Who, New Doctor Who, as it came out. So far as I remember, I think right. it was much more much more tentative and i hadn't followed any any of the press stories about colin baker leaving and and uh i think i sort of vaguely knew that the show was in danger of being cancelled i think we all sort of knew it and it's mm-hmm. funny dave kitchen also mentioned this and it, it took me right back to that, that this was this was a very kind of tentative time for yeah the show right and we all felt it and we all felt like that a certain kind of embarrassment and worry like you know oh our <laughs> it was almost like oh our, our, rel- our favorite relative is in danger of getting committed to an asylum you know let, let's mm. hope that they don't embarrass themselves at this family gathering well and, they've already been um on hiatus for a while yes yes the time lord season there was i'm you it sounds like you weren't paying too much attention to the behind the scenes stuff, but no. all the stuff with Michael Grade wanting mm. to sort of kind of almost kill the show outright. Yeah. You must have got some of that. Yes, Michael Grade was definitely a name I knew. I knew that he was opposed to Doctor Who. I, I didn't follow so many of the, the stories were in the tabloids and we didn't get the tabloids, you know, we, we got the broadsheets, we got the fancy newspapers. So I I, I didn't you know, there was no way to read about it, really. Just, you know, just there for, was no internet. For listeners who may not know, Michael Grade was the controller of BBC yeah. in the 80s. And it's, it's sort of an infamous story of how he seemed to really have it out for Doctor Who, thinking it was too cheap, too violent, uh, too lame. And uh, just bit by bit in the mid to late 80s, kind of um chipped away everything uh from the mm. show until it was sort of put on permanent hiatus right uh, in <laughs> 1989 so that uh you know you don't have to get into all the details of that but just so everyone's up to speed but it definitely and and dave seems to have had the same experience i think a lot of us had this experience at the time of just being like oh god oh please be good doctor who please be good please don't mm. let michael grade cancel it and please don't be a joke Please don't let this fandom that I put so much energy into become a joke. And right. I think that's that's what it was. It was internally inconsistent with the Mel thing, where she just it, it's it wasn't necessarily the fact that he's looking to a story in his own future like that. That was bad enough. But then she shows up in <laughs> in the trial of a Time Lord itself, and the Doctor just goes off with her. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, how did you meet her originally? Like, aren't you? Wasn't the show like really? You yeah. didn't it used to be really concerned with like you know fixed points in time, and uh, so you can't I actually write history. <laughs> I actually have a lot to say about Mel and all the choices you're making, but we're not actually mm. doing that story for the podcast mm. right now. So I'd rather probe more of you yeah. and your feelings here. So getting to time in the Ronnie, yeah. 
I assume you sat down and watched that first episode and did witness the sort of non-regeneration, right? I witnessed the non-regeneration. Take me, take and me then... back to that moment and just literally like the feelings you had. I mean, I mean, had you heard about it? Did you know this was going to not be Colin Baker? And were you sort of mentally prepared for just kind of how bad it was? Or were were you uh, just hit hit over the head with that? I don't remember uh, how prepared I was. I'm pretty sure that I knew Colin Baker was leaving. I don't remember the hoopla about Sylvester McCoy. Um, but I do remember Sylvester McCoy from British TV in the 80s. He was a very popular uh, figure on the BBC. And but he was definitely kind of a comedian. He was he was there was a kids TV show called Jigsaw that I remember him from. He was the best thing about it. I loved Sylvester McCoy. This is sort of the irony of it that I loved him in other roles, but to see him suddenly become the Doctor uh, in especially in that way definitely struck me as oh this is a sketch. This is a sketch show. This is bad, mm. and I think I rage quit in that episode i think right. that i pretty much just turned it off i do not remember the run wow. at all so you didn't wait, uh, even wait for the credits i didn't i <laughs> maybe not or maybe it was just after the credits or maybe it was also seeing those mccoy credits right. we've talked about those before yeah how how naff i found them so i think i really think the, the more that i think back on it the more it was like this the, the ground had to be laid like you know as kind of upset about the introduction of mel kind of in, uh, upset there was bonnie langford also because you know she she was known for other things she was known primarily for being a singer and variety star and she was very often on the bbc herself so it really felt like they were so desperate and pulling out all the stops and so desperate that they just sort of forgotten the rules of of time travel Right. right. So, th so that was the, the ground was laid by that. And then, uh, you know, then the regeneration happens and it happens so badly. I think even then I was aware that like, there must have been a better way to handle this. Right. Right. You know, so let okay. Colin Baker can't return. That much is obvious from that op opening scene for whatever reason, he hasn't been invited back. Then do something. You know, pick it up after the regeneration. You know, uh, it's ironic that, that right. uh, we're, we're talking about the war games in, in the next story. That that was an example of how you handle it when when the two doctors can't be together, right? For the mm -hmm. for a regeneration scene, you pick it up after the fact. So here here was Doctor Who kind of handling it. I think in the most unintentionally comedic way. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe the official explanation was was he he bumps his head on the console, right? That's how you, that's how he regenerates. Yeah, because there's no evidence of like an explosion or something. It, yeah. it just looks like the turbulence or whatever from the Ronnie's. Uh, I don't forget what it is. It's like a tractor mm. beam or something that pulls it in. Has, yeah, uh, caused severe injury somehow to him, but not to Mel. So that seemed really dumb in itself, mm. uh, especially after. You know, Tom Baker died saving the universe. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw that. Peter Davison died, you know, in the case of Androzani, and one of the best endings ever, saving Perry's life, right? Yeah. Really deep emotional stuff. You know, so boom, boom. Next regeneration, he hit his head? <laughs> it's You're making just... a solid case. Um, yes. <laughs> I yeah. was just like, oh my God, I can't. Like, I, I think I sort of had to turn the TV off and just sort of sit with my fandom for a while. I kind of just, oh God, Doctor Who's dead. Like, you know, I got that, had that moment. And I, I, I'm aware now this gives short shrift to the whole Sylvester McCoy era. 
And mm. I think for a lot of people, you know, I've, I've talked about this on the show before. My wife was, was a fan who came on board with McCoy who hadn't seen any of the preceding stuff. It didn't, it didn't matter to her. It didn't matter to a lot of people. Um, so but yeah, wait a, minute, I, though, wait a minute. So, so mm-hmm. you, you rage quit you right in that moment or yeah. just after you're like yep. turning the TV off or walking out of the room. I'm done. Yep. Done. And do you do you not watch a single episode of the McCoy era at all after that? Did you not even Correct. You remember? You didn't even see Remembrance of the Daleks. Which I maybe saw. It is. It is. I have certainly seen it since. Uh, I may have watched bits of it at the time. Probably picked up on the, the sort of the press discussion around it. Um, the bits that I caught of McCoy's Doctor, I just, I guess I just decided that he wasn't the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it just kind of, he didn't seem to fit the role for me. He just always seemed like the wrong kind of actor. I don't know if I'm heightist. <laughs> <laughs> ironic since I'm only five, seven myself. Um, but you know, it just seemed McCoy just seemed like, you know, a literal, literally a come down <laughs> from, from the previous doctor. All right. okay, I, again, as I said, I loved him as a comedian. Didn't think that he had the right presence. Didn't sort of feel that he was a doctor until I watched the TV movie and I think something about seeing him on film uh, huh. kind of made him made him the Doctor for me, Got just it. in so, time for him to regenerate. So it's interesting that you rage quit Doctor Who at the very end of its run, uh, its mm. classic series run. So yeah, I think you've sort of partially answered this just now, but I was curious on how you then basically renewed your fandom in some way, and maybe it's just mm. time to reflect, or maybe New Who caught your attention quicker, or the TV movie, was it like basically, how did you find your way back? I think I'd been so damaged uh, by the time that Rose came along um, that, you know, by the McCoy thing, by the TV movie, you know, not living up to expectations. Um, I was, I was actually not a fan of Rose when it came out. I was, hmm. I think I'd been, I'd been twice wow. bitten. I was okay. twice bitten, and I was afraid that this was, you know, just. It, it's like watching England in the World Cup, you know. It's like, oh, this is clearly going to, they're clearly <laughs> going to get knocked out. And clearly, my heart is going to be broken again. And I didn't think that, that RTD quite had it. Um, mm. You know, I can look back on Rose now and see it's an excellent way to reintroduce it. But I watched it at the time and I did not bother with the rest of season mm. one. I uh, did wow. not. Did not pick it up again until a year later. Rage it was actually wounds run deep. It did, yeah. It was. This it's was more path. of a mechquit. It was more of a mechquit, uh-huh. but it was. It did not end until um, I went into. I remember this very distinctly. I went into a store in San Francisco, which is where I was living at the time, um, and I. It was a UK. It was a British a store that sells British goods. And I got talking to the guy behind the counter, who turned out to be a huge Doctor Who fan. Uh, he was just so excited about the new series, wanted someone to share the excitement with. I mentioned that my experience of Rose had been meh. And he showed me the opening of, I believe it's Aliens in London. The Doctor comes back mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a year. It's a year later. He showed me the cold open of that and was so enthusiastic about it. I was like, okay. Okay, yeah, I guess I guess this new series has more to offer, and I think that I <clears throat> downloaded um, 
uh, in a perhaps sort of slightly <laughs> not not approved way because it was hard to get downloads in those days. We forget. I think the statute um, of limitations on BitTorrent is over, right? That could be wrong. Yes. It's got to be like, what's, where's the statute on copyright? It's, oh yeah. god, it was it was even pre BitTorrent. I think uh, it was. Oh wow! It was little, but <laughs> it was like LimeWire or Kazaa or something. Uh, yeah, it was, it was it was that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, at, at that point, I was like, okay, I got on board. Actually, next the, the following year is when I I met my wife, uh, and she w- we bonded over Doctor Who. I showed her that you know some of the best episodes in the first and second seasons, uh, and then it was just I was I was into New Who all the way from there. And then that's it. But yeah, yeah, and then that was it. But it's interesting remembering all of this, remembering that that I sort of mech with with Rose, uh, and uh, and didn't pick it up again for a while. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So taking your experience, I guess, you know, it's it's hard to sort of generalize because your rage quitting in the first place was about a very specific era of the show and, and mm. where the show was particularly troubled. It's uh, off screen and then that inevitably led to on screen. Um, I, I, I wonder if you can think about those feelings and maybe of mishandling mm. and try to project a little bit about like what are what is sort of the general formula not if there is one um for uh, a show setting itself up to fail i guess with the fans mm. that it has right like what what happens that beyond budget beyond uh specific behind the scenes stuff like how 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 would you interpret like with the mishandling and, and that could mm. lead to a, a mass rage quit not just like individuals not liking particular episodes i think it it has to be multiple incidents of mishandling right i think that's Mm. that's what i'm learning here looking back on this is it had to be the trial of a time lord mishandling it had to be and and then you know what i saw is a a terrible terrible regeneration you know real real mishandling uh doctor who movie kind of mishandled well also you you mentioned mccoy you're not really warming to him but you thought it was miscast miscasting yes um you know and i never never warmed to him never had the opportunity to warm to him really it definitely looking back at it it really feels like the times i've had uh breakups Mm, it 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 has that same sort of emotional sense of like oh god i was really emotionally invested in this relationship and And now it's gone up over one fight yes exactly it's it's a build-up of things it's a build-up of stuff and that's why I think like there's there's no kind of one clear moment in either rage quitting or meh quitting mm-hmm. uh, yeah. necessarily. I think you have to look at all this confluence of factors that kind of connect and build in. Certainly not in meh quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's almost inherent to it. There's no like thing that's just like I'm just gonna you know i i'm so <laughs> so bored i'm somehow mm-hmm. like this this specific thing has gotten me out i think that's just not how it works so thinking back <clears throat> to my own experience with the classic series mm-hmm. there's really only one time uh there's one time i met quit and one time i nearly rage quit so your your experience with the classic series we've, we've talked about it on the show before you started with peter davison that's correct. So it's very um, 
all over the place in some ways because simply because of the way the public television affiliate that we we got in Edmonton was showing Doctor Who because it was showing it in two ways. Um, it was showing Peter Davison's individual episodes every single day, every weekday. And then on Saturday nights, you get essentially an omnibus version of a complete story. But these were Tom Baker episodes. So basically, mm-hmm. I would, I think I picked up Tom Baker right around Robots of Death or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this was right around the same time I started with Peter Davison as Modern Undead. That was the very first thing I ever saw with Doctor Who. And um, they went all the way to... Uh, Cavers of Androzani, and I saw the regeneration, and you know, change my idea, and not a moment too uh, soon. Uh, and uh-huh. I really loved Davison so much. I was a little bit WTF at that point, even though I knew <laughs> about regeneration. I'd been seeing Tom Baker. I knew successive actors took over the role. It wasn't a surprise to me. I, you know, you, you're your doctor it dies and and leaves you. And suddenly there's this other person who's claiming to be the doctor. And certainly with Colin Baker and his sort of attitude, even right off the bat, I I was a little annoyed, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm also excited to tune in Hmm. for the next episode. I was like, Mm -hmm. we're going to see how this goes. And sure enough, the next episode is spearhead from space. (laughs) And again, I got to think that there's no Mm -hmm. internet. Uh, Mm -hmm. I barely looked at, uh, like program guides or whatever. Like I really didn't have a lot in the way of Doctor Who uh, literature or reference books or at all. So certainly had never seen Doctor Who magazine. So when I saw those credits roll uh, for Spearhead from Space, I had no idea this was this was something I was seeing from uh, the seventies. The yeah, and <laughs> un- it wasn't until we got about. Um, and you don't even really see Pertwee for the first little bit, right? Right, right. And it's really not until about five or ten minutes in when you actually see him for the first time. Stumbling out of the TARDIS, yeah. Wait a minute, mm-hmm. that's the guy from the Five Doctors. <laughs> that was, I was, and then so, oh, and then it dawned on me this is not the next episode because I was also mm. kind of wondering where Perry was and et cetera. And so, you know, kind of an amusing thing. Okay, well, then I realized they went back. You know, it's obviously this is the third Doctor. And I was like, oh, okay, well. But Spirits with Space, compelling. And then they go right into the Silurians, which I absolutely loved. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm into this. Uh, and I, I stuck with Pertwee and kept watching that. Um, still the Tom Baker. There was a lot of Tom Baker still to go on those Saturday nights. So that, you know, I wasn't yeah. going to get into the modern era for through that. Uh, but at some point in the Pertwee broadcasts, we got to around like the third season of Pertwee, and I think it was right around the Time Monster or the Mutants, hmm. where I I kind of checked out. I kind of was like, all right, I'm a little I'm a little tired of this. Like, the, was it something about those those stories in particular, or just the build up I, of? Eh. I felt like it was getting a bit predictable, formulaic. I think that the you know it's it's not. Like the stories aren't original, but the, you get that familiar pattern when the, you know, the, all the Pertwee stuff or any era, it just sort of starts to feel the same after a while, I think. And I think hmm. the better eras have highs and lows that that wow you or disappoint you. And I feel like the middle of the Pertwee era is all very mid. It's all kind of, yeah, you know, CW is <laughs> pretty good and hmm. the Time Monster is okay and you know there's there's a carnival of monsters didn't well, uh that, didn't do I, I think i checked out 
right around mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of missed the three, like the three doctors, carnival of monsters, a lot of that stuff I missed. And then oh, wow. on, on some random day, I decided to tune into doctor who again on the dailies. And I, I, I believe, I think this happened. It was like Tom Baker. And I realized, ah. Oh, I'd missed the regeneration into Tom Baker. And I felt, I suddenly felt really bad. Like I'd missed this. Cause I, I, I love the idea of regeneration and what yeah. epic episodes they were. And having missed that sort of knocked me back into, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to, I've got to keep up with this because, because you, you already, really yeah. and, and see something really cool. And you already knew Baker from those uh, weekends exactly. stories. So you, you were missing the regeneration between two doctors you already knew really well. Yeah. So uh, then I, I sort back. of recommitted at this point mm. and I watched a lot of Tom Baker rewatched Davison and then got to see Colin Baker. So, and it's, it's just a weird quirk that this ended up, I ended up seeing it this way because I really did not like Colin Baker <laughs> when I finally mm. got a chance to see those episodes. And mm. I feel like had I seen them right after the Davison stuff that I started yeah. with, I might have rage quit. If you'd gone straight right. into twin dilemma. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but at this point I was so sort of more committed to fully to the, the, the vision and the, the sort of universe of the show that I was like, okay, well at some point he'll regenerate again or it'll get better or whatever. I, I, I'm going to stick with this. And hmm. I did. And I kind of ended up liking the McCoy era. And again, uh, you know, I did certainly wasn't rage quit, but I, I, I would just like to say like everything you said about like feeling like it's really on life support and is, could you know, it's hanging by a string and could, could fall apart at any time. I totally get that, that, that Mm -hmm. actually really feels right. Especially like with the special effects in, in those later Mm -hmm. seasons. I mean, the, the budget was so severely cut. They, they were essentially, um, you know, just shining lights on things to make them look (laughs) sci-fi ish. It's tough. It's, you could tell they don't have a lot to work with at that point. Which, doesn't necessarily, and we'll get into this next week with the war games, but you know, like that, that's an example of a serial where they did run out of money, but can still, you know, Doctor Who is, is best can still make you really enjoy the show, even, even on a very slim budget. But, yeah. but the McCoy era didn't, didn't always do that. Maybe it's, it was overly ambitious on the special effects front. Um, but yeah, and then we, uh, and then the TV movie, did you, did you watch that? And yeah, so it's mm-hmm. funny. I, had sort of my, my journalism career was just budding at the time mm. of the TV movie. So I was working actually as an editor at my campus paper at the university of Alberta. And it just so happens I was the editor during, I think it came out in May. Mm. Um, and That's I was the right. editor of mm-hmm. the summer paper that, um, that summer. And I actually managed to get, and I think I still have it like the press copy of the VHS tape. And I watched <laughs> it with some friends of mine, uh, and I was super hyped. I, I really wanted Doctor Who to come back. I kept, you know, checking uh, the uh, the entertainment section for news that it had been renewed, that uh, they'd pick yeah. up the series, and obviously that never happened. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed the TV movie, really like Paul McGann's performance. Mm. Again, we can, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to mm-hmm. it, but... Um, when we hit that when, triple Yahtzee on the randomizer, yeah. well, when when it wasn't renewed, it it felt further away than ever. And mm. at this point, I was 
um, you know, finishing college. I, I was taking engineering. It was taking a lot of my time. I was trying to get more serious about my journalism career too. And honestly, Doctor Who just kind of fell a little bit in the background along with everything, you know, that was sort of peripheral yeah. in my life. And I, I honestly, during the wilderness years, I was really more probably the most checked out I ever was from the show. And the yeah. only thing that really registered, even though I was sort of vaguely aware of Big Finish and the novels and stuff, I mm -hmm. might have read one novel in that time. Uh, the only thing I really sort of took notice of because it was such a phenomenon online was um, Death Comes to Time. This mm. uh, It was like, I think in 2000 when the BBC did sort of a webcast, one of the first ever webcasts of, That's right. of a show. Uh, not really a show. I guess it was kind of like um, sort of quasi animated stuff. Uh, but it was sort of sort of a webcast uh, with visuals of an audio adventure. And I, I, I think I only listened to the first bit of it and I've always been meaning to come back to it and watch it like as it's all on YouTube now. And I never yeah. have, I think <laughs> at some point I will just for <laughs> historical purposes, but um, yeah, it just kind of fell to the background until the new series came out. And then I was, I was excited about the new series, but as you have observed, it was actually rather difficult to watch here yeah. in North America. Um, but I, uh, the thing was my, um, sister in Ed, back home in Edmonton recorded all of it. And when I came back home to visit her, I, I binged the whole thing and it was just like, whoa, mm, yeah, this is, mm. this is it. Like it was right. just so satisfying as a, uh, as a fan, just to sort of see like it realized in this sort of, um, high production values world that we were in. It was just like, right. It got so much of it. Right. And again, RTD gets it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that was it. I was, I was finally back. <laughs> they pulled me back in way to go. RTD. <laughs> I was like, all right, be a fan of just this again. When I thought I was out. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. It yeah. brings us to, well, since now we're on new who, like I've, mm. I've never rage quit new who, but I think, you know, as as a show, Doctor Who, obviously, showrunners or producers come and go. These inflection points, you identified one, obviously, with uh, McCoy. For me, it probably would have been Colin Baker. When mm. you have a, a new take on the show, just naturally lends itself to a rage quit if you're going to rage quit. And I think in the, the in New Who... Um, the the natural point that has come is like the Chibnall era, just because it was yes. so different. Like I think the transition from Davies to Moffat was comparatively much more smooth, uh, or at least from a tonal aspect, more consistent. Yeah. Um, just in the way because like they obviously you know worked together really closely, Moffat and Davies. They spoke a very similar language, thought about Doctor Who in in similar ways, and even though their eras are distinct, certainly, mm. and you can you can sort of see that through the style and the writing and, and sort of the interpretations of the show. Um, as, as a fan, it's sort of like, Oh, okay. You're, you're kind of handheld into the Moffat era. From yeah. The era, era pretty, pretty clearly. You, you are. And there's that, that wonderful moment that I always think of in the writer's tale where, uh, they're, they're working together of it and, uh, on it and, and RTD emails Moffat to say, just let me know where you'd like me to park the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, wonderful phrase and of course it that, that transition was handled so well and the 11th hour pulls out all the stops yeah. um to to really say you know because of course they were making a big push into america at that point um to say hey you know 
a fresh new doctor, really excited, new companions and you know, new setup, and and just like it's it's much more, you know. And it hears the whole history of the show seen through the eye of the uh, Atraxi, and you know, and then Matt Smith steps right. into it like it's very self conscious moment of like, no, you're really gonna want to watch this. This is mm-hmm. good. This is the same show, new guy, but like stick with it. It's good. It was um, convincing. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. I mean, uh, Matt Smith is probably the doctor i had the least problem uh, you know imagining into the role of the doctor like in yeah. story one right i think he really just kind of nails it right there um but yeah the the new show chibnall has been a problem for a lot uh, i'll tell you what you know I, I talked to my wife about her her mac quitting moments and i'll tell you what she said first of all uh after last christmas so mm, she was one of the people who had an issue with clara and uh, Clara, of course, we know nearly left after last Christmas and uh, season two of Clara and Capaldi, um, you know, starting with, uh, I guess, the, the uh, oh, yeah. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, again, all the stops have been pulled out. Missy is back. Uh, so she didn't quite mech quit then, but at some point during that season, it was just like, oh, Clara's just, you know, I think for a lot of people, Clara was was a jumping off point when she yeah, maybe overstayed, overstayed, overstayed her, her welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there. Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, you could do it's it's interesting to pick out this and also the the point where Dave said he almost rage quit. Uh, which was that middle of series six, which I kind of understand because that was a big risk-taking season, Mm -hmm. Uh, at least for Moffat. I mean, he hadn't done a a structure like that before. There were, there were some calls made to the story overall that were probably made more for their twistiness than Mm. character driven, which I, Uh you know, all the, the ganger stuff and the stuff around river and how people ended up reacting to that. Um, I would agree. Uh, and then, yeah, let's kill Hitler is a, is a, it's a divisive one. Yeah. We, we don't want to get into all of it, but I could definitely see why it's super divisive. Um, you know, it's, it's taking this sort of thought exercise and, uh, that, you know, comes up in every college class and mm-hmm. essentially abandons it and just does kind of a goofy story, uh, which with a lot of physical comedy and, also sort of nonsensical takes on things we've seen before, arguably nonsensical anyway, like with regeneration I'm thinking of specifically. Right. Right. Um, it's a lot to digest. Yeah. Uh, strangely. And, and, yeah, and if you're not already on, yeah. And if you're not already on board with, with the whole concept of river or the river storyline, I think, uh, part of the problem for, for people like Dave, not to put words into his mouth, but he did mention the issue of, of the Moffat era of basically everyone fancies the doctor. <laughs> everyone, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know, the doctor's wife. But yeah. And, and this is just sort of you know, like that whole season you have to kind of, you have to, if you're not into the relationship between the doctor and river, you have to suffer through it all. Now, lucky, luckily I was, it worked mm-hmm. for me. I really liked that season, but I can see, the the division um with the chibnall era i think it's a lot easier to see why people would rage quit i think um the woman who fell to earth is does not do what the 11th hour does do not 
kind of pull out all the stops. It's not a bad story, but it's also not necessarily like, hey, Doctor Who's back. And, you know, it's maybe a little closer to the twin dilemma than the 11th hour. I don't know. It's not quite there. I tend to agree. And I think to your point, I think it's not necessarily one thing. I think everyone was ready to forgive a, a less than great uh, debut episode, mm. um, but a less than great debut season, yeah. uh, at least as it was uh, interpreted on first broadcast, I think is kind of where a lot of people just decided to fall off. I, I'm, mm. uh, I know at least one person personally, I mean, my sister who was a, is a, uh, big doctor who fan, um, kind of, kind of essentially left, the the show right then and just basically she would say like, not my doctor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, didn't, I wouldn't such say I was a shame. surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they went on to do some really cool things with uh, various individual episodes, but it mm. definitely felt, in some ways disrespectful um to what had come before even in in the davies and moffat era just because there were these sort of glossed over things with unit i guess that took a while i think it was resolution where they sort of said we're we're sort of not doing that and i don't know like i think at least moffat was a little more careful early on to sort of establish why and how he would do his own thing like you know the whole things with the cracks in time Gives it. He, I, I see that a lot as him giving himself a blank check to do whatever he wants, but still, yeah, it, giving an in-show reason for why things are inconsistent. And Chibnall never really quite did that. I mean, he, there's a couple of throwaway things, but it's like he's he's clearly interpreting this his Doctor Who universe differently. Hmm. And uh, and I, I don't mean just sort of the the excuses for whether people remember alien invasions or not. I think it is just more tonally different and. Um, you never really, it doesn't feel right. You know, it just feels a little mm. bit like a sticks out like a sore thumb. If you've been brought up on Davies and, and Moffat. And mm. again, that's not to say like they shouldn't try to do different things. Obviously they should. It just, mm. um, this one just didn't taste right. And to this point of sort of, you, you need various layers to, to rage quit. You need, you know, uh, it, it's not just one thing, right? The ground has to be prepared. So I think mm. people were sort of like, eh, season one, eh, but then, uh, Jody's season two, you know, starting with Spyfall and starting with the sudden burning of Gallifrey, um, that is that was a yeah. mech quit for a lot of people, especially followed by Orphan Fifty Five. Uh, that's that's when you know my wife mech quit the season. At that point, I kind of did too. I still have not seen Praxis and Can You Hear Me? Uh, it's, I look at those oh, every time I kind of look at that season. I'm like, you know, we'll we'll get to them when we get to them. Like I have no urge to watch them. Uh, obviously, Fugitive the Jadoon was sort of a kind of a, a jumping back on point for for a lot of people. Like you know, uh, and then Timeless Children course that you know that divided fandom badly so it was really that whole season was kind of a mess with you know people leaving or not being sure rage quitting or mech quitting or um and yeah it just didn't feel like Chibnall did himself any favors in that season um and uh meddling with with the lore of the show when we're kind of iffy about whether we're watching at all it just it seemed like terrible timing and also since he's I guess you could argue confessed ever since that he didn't really have yeah. much of a plan. Mm. Um, it honestly feels even more disrespectful 
in some ways. Mm. Like if you're going to do such huge things as, you know, burning out Gallifrey and upending the entire history of the central character. I mean, like I, I would have <laughs> hoped it was just a little more thought thought through than it, I guess it turned out to be. Um, even things like the master, mm. right. Where uh, it, it really wouldn't have taken much to get a little bit of dialogue to acknowledge the Missy stuff that they were sort of mm-hmm. trying to do, but they didn't even bother. Um, yeah. If you're a longtime fan and you were invested in those storylines, um, it just feels like they weren't really cared for. He wasn't even uh, a really good steward of, mm. of that. And yeah, I just, I, I wish he, he had thought more about <laughs> this is, sounds terrible. I was going to say he thought more about legacy, but <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's fair enough. It's yeah, fair. Yeah. It's a fair comment. You know, you, you gotta, you, you gotta think about how, how the show is going to be viewed by the future and, and, you know, seen, seen as a whole. And especially if you've lived through that cancellation era, hmm. um, as, as we all have as triple head, um, while we're talking about new who, I think this might be a good time to bring in some comments um from folks who are responding to the uh the uh uh the poll here that we put out uh and, and the first one's kind of interesting because it does point out that a lot of this is not necessarily about us right it's it can often be about other stuff that we're going through so sleeping dalek uh at patrick perring on twitter i i know he's a friend of the show it's uh commented before he says the closest i ever got was after watching the husbands of river song uh i was going through a lot of negativity at the time and i was putting that on my love for the show i love the story now but i left halfway through very angry when it aired so again wow quitting in the middle of the episode like that mm. that feels like that is a characteristic of rage quitting right you cannot even bring yourself to watch to the end you're just so mad you have to turn the TV off. Uh, that's yeah, that that's may be the definition one to do. Honestly, like I, mm. I wouldn't have picked that one. Um, I can't even really see why it would enrage someone so much uh, because it is mostly just mm. doing kind of a capstone on the river stuff. And mm. there's yeah, if you're into it at that point, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the the one I will say the one thing about Husbands of River Song that didn't ring true to me was her not taking so long to recognize Capaldi as a as a new regeneration, right? With yeah, her, her whole, which is yeah, kind of the central gag, but also it just seems kind of kind of nuts, uh, mm-hmm. given that they would she would be so familiar with the 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 essence of what the doctor is that you wouldn't mm. just see that that's it's this guy um yes so but, similarly yeah. uh, let me bring in a, another comment and because it has a similar vibe to it but from the classic show this is from uh thinking fish that's who, martin. Uh, yeah martin who did our music yeah. yes he says i have a hazy recollection about watching a sylvester mccoy scene maybe we can figure out what this is sylvester mccoy scene with a futuristic alien flying technology that was just a poorly disguised speedboat and I was furious enough to get up, walk across the room, and stab the channel buttons, and didn't watch again until until knew who arrived. Wow! I'm yeah, trying so. to think what that was. I know there was like a disguised <laughs> helicopter or something. I'm surprised they even had a helicopter come to think of it for uh, Silver Nemesis. Yeah, Maybe it was Curse of Fenric. I don't know. Could be, could be. But the, again, that's the uh, same thing that Sleeping Dalek is talking about of like, you, you're so mad, you actually turn it off during the story. Mm. 
Um, yeah. So that does seem to be almost the definition of rage quitting. You can't rage quit in the closing <laughs> credits. <laughs> You're clearly fair. emotionally stable enough to watch the whole thing. It's not a rage quit. Uh, and then finally, we, we have a, a third reply to the poll. Stephen Arkley uh, says, I struggled the most through the Matt Smith era, but I managed to stay on board. Um, which Maybe is, yeah, you know. Because I there honestly, are, like, there are parts of the Matt. I love Matt Smith. Love a mm. lot of his stories. But if you're used to Davies, I think, and I was definitely like this to some extent, and you get to that Moffat era where he's just more fast and loose with story. Um, mm. That you know, and I've said so on some of the episodes what we've done there. That that really pisses me off, frankly. <laughs> like that he he thinks he can do these emotional beats in the middle of stories without really earning them through the story. Um, mm. that's, that's his, in my opinion, that's the worst quality of, of Moffat as great as a lot of the stuff he's done is. And I could, you know, you, you, I could see get getting irritating if you see enough of those in a row and then, mm. um, essentially rage quitting or just, you know, to at the very least taking a break. Um, I, I do feel like Moffat plays with fire in that regard. Uh, I think I, I've had the opposite reaction to to Moffat versus Davies. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I feel like Moffat is more my style of storyteller. Uh, he he is what I would do with Doctor Who if I was showrunner. Like I just jam so many big thinky <laughs> concepts into each episode because I'm just so enthusiastic to get them all in. So he was always more more like I, I warmed to Moffat more than than a lot of people, I yeah, think. Yeah. Didn't understand the uh the people who almost quit with with Matt Smith. But but yeah, it's it's such a such a personal thing that uh Good. you know we all have our own individual reasons and yeah for, yeah, so for a lot of people we're... Matt Smith was too young. Since we're talking about fans interacting with us on mm. social media, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to take a moment to do a little housekeeping and yes. uh, remind everyone this is a podcast. And if you're not subscribed and if you're somehow encountering this on a web embed or something like that, uh, please find us in your podcast app and hit that subscribe button. The, bad, the only better thing you could do is share this podcast with a friend who may love Doctor Who and uh, not have rage quitted yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, prepare them. Reason, no, um, yeah. prepare them for the inevitable rage quitting that will happen at some point. I'm, I'm sure there will people who will rage quit shooties tenure. Right? They'll, there's yeah. always uh, yeah, for a sure. contingent who you know dislike whatever new doctor that comes along. Yeah, exactly. Whenever there's an era of change, mm. uh, it's going to mm-hmm. attract new fans, and old ones are going to going to leave. Just how it goes. This is mm. the beauty of Doctor Who in some ways. I mean, yes, there's long term fans, a lot of them, um, but it has a built in reboot. That's that's the whole thing about yeah. it. Yes, it's all one universe, but uh, tonally, um, even almost genre wise, it, it can change completely from producer to showrunner. I mean, if you look back at the Philip Hinchcliffe era, right, that gets cited a lot. Um, mm. it, it kind of became a horror show for a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And then Hinchcliffe to, to Graham Williams was, was a big, big tonal shift and, right in the middle of the Baker era. And JNT, man, nothing more 80s yeah. than a little JNT Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> um, reminder, Spotify listeners, you can rate the show on your app. Go ahead and fire that up. You can rate the show and individual episodes with a star rating. Uh, if you subscribe on a podcast app, hey, why not also subscribe on YouTube? We're at youtube.com slash bolt open and join the discussion there. We get a lot of good comments about the show on YouTube. And of course, stay tuned to our TikTok channel, Pull to Open. 
for all of our uh, videos that we cut on our episodes. Uh, we get videos there almost every day. And and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, poll to open 63. Is and speaking of Twitter, uh, let's, let's check in on the poll. And uh, the, the options in the poll were, well, the question was, have you ever rage quit the show or stopped watching because meh? <laughs> uh, and uh the first option was yes rage quit 31.3 percent mm. of respondents to the poll have said that yes they have rage quit the show uh 18.8 percent said they have meh quit the show uh nobody said that they've done both at <laughs> different times <laughs> so it's either one or the other for all our uh, respondents and a full 50 percent of respondents have said loyal since I began, which I guess would be your your answer, Pete. That would you know I'd be in the rage quit category, or maybe both at different times. You'd be loyal since you began, just yeah, about. I guess it, it depends how much that Pertwee quit is a meh quit. Mm. It was kind of mm. a meh quit. I was younger, kind certainly, of. and you know maybe just thought I was busy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much loyal since since I began. So yeah, um, yeah. Just I remember that awakening in me when I realized I'd missed the Tom Baker thing. It was just like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm a fan of this show. Like that, that just the <laughs> feeling you have, like oh, I missed something important. And yeah, you're, you're making me making me wonder if there's a, a layer below uh, tier below Mac quitting, which is just quiet quitting. I quiet mm. quit Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily because I thought the show was bad. I just, eh, eh, you know. Yeah. yeah, I was sort of nominally still a fan, but just checked out in some other way. So I think I'd want to say one more thing about the Chibnall, Mequit, Rage Quit era, just because I think it's a little bit instructive. And I'd compare it to, uh, here's where I'd start to sort of bring in other shows, right? Because as I was thinking about this discussion we were going to have, I thought about other shows I've Rage Quit. Uh, mm. And there have been them, uh, several shows, frankly. So the first, the one that comes to mind immediately is Heroes. Mm. Um, so Heroes, obviously, yeah. it's really talked about much anymore. But in the mid two thousands, it was a really popular show for at least a season. So the first season of Heroes, this superhero show, even before the uh, the current, what I would say, crop of superhero movies came out right. this was sort of during the 1.0 superhero era during Definitely. the original spider-man movies and stuff like that um pre-mcu yeah heroes was was a big deal and it was a surprise hit in the first season it was surprisingly great in the first season um and i, I don't think I'd had, i have to think really hard about a show that really fell very quickly from a peak because season two even though it was marred a bit by i think a writer's strike at the time so it was shortened was just a huge miss yeah. and it just kept missing and missing. And I remember moments in season two, you know, well, first of all, up from an emotional level, you feel the change from kind of watching a show to hate watching it. Yes. You know? Uh, yeah, Heroes. Yeah, I had that same experience. And I, I will say that, so season one, I think it's part to, partly to do with the brilliance of season one, right? Mm -hmm. But also, they kind of wrapped it up really neatly. That yes. whole save the cheerleader, save the world thing. And that's with and, the brothers. Yeah. And, and, and that final mm -hmm. episode, it all just kind of everything hit right. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, they picking it up on season two. Um, Where could know, they go they, from that? 
Well, they kind of, what I didn't mm. like about it, like, I mean, I could get into all the details, but they immediately sort of reversed themselves on mm. something they'd sort of explicitly said, which is that you can't reverse or program into the, you know, basically turn someone who's not a superhero into a superhero or, or vice versa. Mm. And then they just mm-hmm. basically say, oh, yes, you can. Um, mm-hmm. That was a, like sort of, that's spider sense goes off number one, but they kept <laughs> doing decisions like that. And you kind of started to wonder, like, do they even know what the rules or structure of this universe is? And then yeah. there was a moment to me um, that proved they didn't, which was um, there was a character who had the same power as the cheerleader who could heal themselves. They were super old. They were like hundreds of years old. And then there was kind of like a moment where um, he loses his powers. I forget why. And then he immediately ages like 300 years and dies. And I just, mm. for a moment, for, that's when I thought, wait a second, hold on. And, <laughs> and and I know this is getting fan nerdy, but it was like, I, I realized the power doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, it's not like if Claire, who was the cheerleader, lost her power, suddenly mm-hmm. every single wound she'd ever had would suddenly reappear. That's just ridiculous. And that's essentially kind of what they were saying with this instant aging. And at that point, I thought, are these people, are the people making this show, show are they even fans of their own show? You know, like, and that's what it, uh, dawned on me. They weren't. They didn't, they just didn't care. They were just doing whatever and mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. really paying any heed to how fans would like it, react. They were just doing kind of uh, whatever they thought was sort of interesting in, in um, to them anyway. And yeah, that's kind of what was, I, I rage quit. That 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 it was clearly it was clearly you know uh, NBC like knew they had a hit on their hands. They basically told the writers you know find find some way of extending it. it. Doesn't matter how, just like keep the show on the air, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was very obvious to me too. And I think to a lot of people, I think what we're what we're discovering here is like this is very similar to the trial of the Time Lord problem, right? The show somehow explicitly ignoring its own rules mm. um and you just sort of look around the living like what what are you treating me like an idiot you know yeah. <laughs> what is this how can i still love this if it is so clearly illogical according to its own logic um yeah and i sort of feel like you know lost was the same for a lot of people well uh, had a similar I'd, vibe I'd- I'd separate Lost a bit because mm-hmm. I think it fails for different reasons because I have absolutely mm-hmm. no doubt the people making the show were fans of their own show, um, mm. which is, um, I think it was Carlton Cuse, Damian Lindelof, or the, were the Dam- two yes, people. Yes, And so yeah. they've given a lot of interviews and the way they thought about the show, I think, uh, shows that they were fans, but they, they made some just decision <laughs> questionable decisions and i think one of them i mean i'm not going to get into the specifics of that show but uh, to to have so many of the actual mysteries not really answered mm-hmm. that, that general approach that they took i think ultimately uh frustrated a lot of people and yeah it's yeah i think it was just like you sh- there should have been a few more clear answers both along the way and at the end um, mm. did yeah. you did you like the time travel season i, I was a big fan of season five the time yeah, travel the season. time travel season was pretty yeah. good it definitely led yeah. to um 
some really great stuff. I think the constant was the big sort of mm. uh, episode in that season. That's that's like the the Viscount banger of that. Uh, Absolutely, that yeah. show. So, <laughs> I, I in other words, like, and that's also the fact that they I knew that they were fans of the show, and that was very evident in sort of the details and the storytelling and that stuff. Um, I actually never rage quit Lost. There were mm. there were times I was sort of not really keeping up with it as closely, but I watched it all the way to the end. And yeah. Yeah, I don't think it counts. Uh, Lost and and I think also Game of Thrones slots into the category of people like you can't rage quit with the last episode, right? It doesn't quite mm-hmm. count. If you've gotten all the way through it, and a lot of people didn't like the last season of Game of Thrones, I'm kind of an outlier on that one. I I do think they kind of stuck the landing in a story that was very very difficult to stick the landing in. Um, yeah, you know, so, so I have some some sympathy for that. But yeah, that's a different thing. If you get to the end and you don't like the story. That's not rage quitting. <laughs> so, so bringing it back around, I mean, this is kind mm. of where I interpret the quitting of the Chibnall era, right? Uh, in yeah. that it it did become like I, I'm not saying Chibnall's not a fan; he's just a, kind of a different kind of fan mm. than Davies and and Moffat, I think, and certainly different from from myself, and cared about different things uh, in what he was trying, what he was doing, or trying to do during that era and so um i would i would probably draw uh an analogy between lost in that era i guess as opposed to heroes Mm -hmm. um but i I would you know there was some there was some disconnect between what i think doctor who should be and what chibnall should be they didn't the venn diagram there was not uh as aligned with the previous two show as as it was with the previous two showrunners yeah so yeah um, yeah, like I never rage quit, but I was definitely not enthusiastic about a lot of uh, the Whitaker era. And I'm sort of super glad to sort of revisit those episodes on an individual basis now with the podcast because mm. because now that I can sort of remove it uh, on a case by case basis from that era, a lot of them are a lot better than I remember. Yeah, we we cannot uh, rage quit pull to open. We hope you do not rage quit pull to open either. Uh, I I will say that I feel like maybe part of the subconscious inspiration for this uh, short trip was the fact that uh, you know it has that the randomizer been taking us to some curious picks recently. Uh, the smugglers. The uh, interestingly, I you know. Uh, we we're watching the war games for next week and discovered that the, the, uh, the war games like was really a lot of people rage quitting at that time. Right. Or not mm-hmm. even rage quitting, mad quitting. Like the, the ratings were really low. Uh, they were mm-hmm. as low, uh, almost as low as the lowest rated of the classic series, which was the smugglers. We've been there. It does feel like sometimes the randomizers trying to, trying to throw us off and trying to show us like the worst of the show, at least until we got to the war games. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it feels like, like this is a good time to, to talk about this question of, of Doctor Who not always being up to scratch and, uh, you know, being, being a thing that we, we love so much that isn't always represented as we would like to see it on the screen uh, and causing us to have this strong emotional reaction. Yeah, so, and I think yeah. it sort of almost speaks to what a little bit of what we were talking about before we were recording, which is like the show kind of rage quits itself yes. uh, a couple times. <laughs> and I, you could argue the War Games is one of those, even though yeah. it's not at all. I'm not talking at all about the quality of that particular story. It's more like mm. it, it infamously the show was very like on on. Uh, 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 
on 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 his hanging by a string at that point. And right, was, right. You know, they fewer were making people way too much it. of it. Yeah, yeah. Fewer people watch the war games than than survival. Like they, you know, the the actual uh, last mm. stories. Uh, you know, in the McCoy era you know, actually had more viewers than, than they had at the War Games uh, phase. Uh, Inferno was, you know, I mentioned that briefly, uh, that perhaps one of the most likely points in the classic series prior to the McCoy era and the Baker era, where it could have been cancelled. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it does sort of famously end with the Doctor trying to rage quit uh, the Brigadier <laughs> and Liz Shaw by disappearing with the TARDIS console. Uh, and then it turns out he can't. He can't even yeah, rage quit himself. He was he did too good a job in that season mm-hmm. or just too many bangers. And it was just like, <laughs> you know what? This is, it's, this is too good now. We can't quit it. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Trout in the war games, we'll discuss this next time, but yeah, he definitely has that moment at the end where it's sort of like, he's so resigned to his fate and that he can't even pick a, a body to regenerate into. Uh, mm. he's just like, yeah, <laughs> it's sort of the equivalent of Capaldi going, I will not change. Um, yeah. Which is kind of interesting, you know the, those those moments where the doctor's like, ah, "I'm tired of being the doctor. I'm going to rage quit myself. I'm not going to regenerate." He is a reluctant one to turn the page to mm-hmm. wrap things up, but you know what? We're not going to be <laughs> like that here on Pulse Open. Nice. So we appreciate everyone who has uh, been listening and has not rage quit this episode, uh, and. <laughs> We would just like to say, come on back next week for the War Games. Follow us on social. I won't go over all that again. Just Google <laughs> Pull to Open. You'll find us. Google um, it. And uh, we'll see you here next time. All right. See you guys. <laughs>